Hey, and welcome to the Hot Air Podcast from Watchful. I'm Vic Drover. I'm here with my colleague Steve, and this is the final episode of the first season. I can't believe it. <laughs> That's right, Vic. This is our 20th episode, and it wraps up the first season of the Hot Air Podcast. We're going to take a short summer vacation, but before we do that, we do have a bonus episode next week with a surprise guest. I won't spoil it, but this guest is someone that all our listeners will know well. Whoa, whoa, Steve, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Today we're talking with Brian Soy. Brian has a successful agency called Aspire in Ohio in the United States, and he just celebrated 25 years, wow, in the web development and digital marketing industry. He uses websites built with Joomla and built with other tools as part of a larger marketing service. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I've already learned quite a bit from Brian. After inviting him to the podcast, I was doing research on his marketing agency, and I saw that he bases all his marketing on a framework called StoryBrand, and that led me down a really interesting rabbit hole. I read up on StoryBrand and started to see ways to apply that framework to Watchful. In this episode, we talk a lot about storytelling and how to make your customer into the hero of your company's narrative. I can't wait any longer, Steve. Let's get after it. Hey, Brian, welcome. Thanks. Uh, Good to be here with you, Steve. Appreciate it. Well, congratulations are in order for you. I think you just celebrated a big anniversary with your business. That's right. July 1st is our 25th anniversary, and I'm so so glad we made it. I I was telling somebody yesterday, we made it through the the economic recession in 08-010. Made it and thrived through the economic uh, shutdowns here in the United States, and Actually, I'm really excited for what's next. Okay, so 25 years ago was 1996, 95, 96? 95, yeah. Okay, just when domain names and emails were just getting started? Starting to become more popular, sure. Well, maybe I was a little late to it. I remember getting my first email address around that time. So you were one of the very first companies to start building websites for customers? Yeah, I would say so. So when I was working between 1985 and 1995 for a design firm, we saw the potential for the web. And my background goes all the way back to designing, or not, I don't even know if you want to say designing. We were building websites with imported graphics and HTML. So things were very rudimentary. They were almost no more than a glorified Word document with images placed flush right, flush left. Over time, I saw the potential for what the web could be and was a very early adopter of content management systems, was using Adobe Go Live, if you remember that tool. Um, Absolutely. Adobe Go Live was purchased from the Go Live uh, studio company in Germany by Adobe, and Adobe didn't know a lot about it. I started troubleshooting Microsoft Access database errors and documenting those, and then came to find out after... Go Live was retired, that Adobe was, from what I heard anecdotally, I can't prove it, using my website for part of their tech support to troubleshoot the errors. <laughs> you probably were like getting all these great hits on, I guess, Google, uh, just because it was so niche, you know, you were like the first couple of hits probably. Right. Yeah. It was just, it was getting a lot more traffic than I thought, but it was more, right. more for my convenience than anything else. <laughs> So you used some really early content management systems and then at some point jumped over to Joomla? Yes. We made our jump to Joomla after some research in 2005, 2006. 
and made that our primary tool, chose that over WordPress and Drupal because we felt it fit that middle tier need for something that was very robust but approachable for our clients. That would be easy for us to train them after we launched a website. We've always been about empowering our clients versus doing it for them all the time. And that's really important for us. Well, you've been a watchful customer almost since the very first day, about seven years ago now. December 2013, by my records. So we really appreciate that. But talking to you before the call, you talk about the website as just one portion of a much larger customer journey that a website, whether it's Joomla, WordPress, Drupal, or Adobe or something else is useful, but it's really just one small part of a, a larger journey you try and design for your customers? Right. So we see the website as a, as a key part of what we'll call in Aspire language, the engagement continuum. So any great marketing firm is going to be working to attract, to inform, to inspire, and to engage customers from the point where they first learn about a brand or the company to the point where they become a customer. And at that point, then you're nurturing that relationship and you're stewarding that relationship. So sometimes the website is the first place they meet an organization. You know, of course, you know, we're watching TV, somebody shares a link. We head right to the website because without, you know, right now in today's age, without a website, it's almost like your business doesn't exist or you've got so much business, you don't need a website. And I'm sure there's five or six companies like that worldwide. Uh, <laughs> right? So no, no matter what the product is, the website is a part of perhaps the, the central part, the central hub that surrounds the products or the in-person interactions or the follow-up emails or all the other different pieces that may be part of the journey. Right. So you know, in terms of the, the digital, a website's one part of an ecosystem and it can be the center of that ecosystem when you build, bring in your automation, but it also has to have that foundation of really clear messaging that tells the customer, we see you, we understand that you've got this problem and we have this solution for it. So we, we're inviting you to say, download a PDF that tells about how we can help you solve that problem or sign up for this webinar. So it's, it's, it is really that hub, but it's definitely part of this customer experience because if they're on the website and they have a poor experience, that reflects right back on the brand. So I need to say thank you already for teaching me quite a bit about this. About a week ago, I was doing some pre-planning for this podcast and came across your website and saw that you were heavily involved in something called StoryBrand. And that took me on a journey of a whole afternoon, digging into some of the StoryBrand stuff and how they help you think about your brand, your product, and how it appears to the customer. And it was super useful, particularly for Watchful. Ah, great. I can see some elements here on, on the Watchful site that, that I recognize and pick up from that. But, you know, essentially, most businesses you know, either struggle to talk about themselves and, and their product and service, or that's all they do is they talk about themselves. Instead of seeing themselves as a guide and positioning their customer as the hero and really seeking to understand what does the customer want and what's the problem they're trying to overcome. That's why story brand is so key. And then that's the point where your brand or your organization can step in and say, we can guide you to a solution you need that's going to make your life better, that's going to help your business grow, or that's going to solve your problem. And that goes right back to the website because the website's that element of empathy 
and authority that a customer needs to be reassured that there's credibility behind what you say. Yeah, I think I've been guilty of that in some of my work in the past, saying things like, hey, Watchful is awesome, <laughs> rather than turning it around and explaining why Watchful is awesome for a customer's particular need. Right. Yeah, yeah. I actually had a, a question that's similar, I think, to where Steve's mind is right now. When you're servicing other service providers, do you position yourself in terms of the service provider or the client that the service provider is servicing. So let's continue with Steve's wonderful, excellent example of Watchful. We're serving web designers, web developers, web agencies. Do we make them the hero or is the hero the website owner that we want to have a good experience with their website and not, you know, not have to worry about things, safe? You know, I know who's paying our bills and it's certainly the web agency, but do we project forward past that in that example? There must be many examples where people are providing services for other service providers, for example. How do you approach something like that? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's one that many service companies struggle with. So I think you need to understand who's your primary customer and who you are you selling to. And if that's the agency owner like myself, then you want to talk about the problem they have. And the problem they have is ensuring two things, I think. One is that they can ensure, assure their customer that your website is going to be maintained and secure and up-to-date because we know that WordPress and Joomla as open-source platforms have vulnerabilities when components go out of date. So that's one point they can say. You can be confident that your Joomla installation is maintained and up-to-date so that you can assure your customers that their reputation is, is secure and that you've minimized risk on their behalf. So it's almost like you're giving them language to speak to their customers at the same time you're talking about their problem that they have. Right. It's a funny intersection there. We want our agents... Like, our customers are, are heroes to us, right? But in order for, we actually want them to be heroes with their clients because that money's coming down from their clients to them and from them to us. So we kind of need to thread a needle where we have two heroes in our minds a little bit. So we've been thinking a lot about it as Steve, Steve said earlier, and that hero concept really stuck with us. Sure. Yeah, so you're the guide to the, the hero of your customer. They are the guide to their customer who is the hero. And... And it does get rather confusing in there, again, for many service providers. So I would say, you know, you want to position yourself as coming alongside the agency owner and saying, we're here to ensure that your customer has the best possible experience with you. And that's, I think that's the right mix. With a Robin to your Batman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, can you give the people who are listening a little bit of context on the the nitty-gritty of StoryBrand? We've talked a little bit about one of the concepts, which is turning around the promotional aspect of, of talking about yourself and focusing on the customer as the hero rather than the brand itself. But what's the actual nitty-gritty of implementing StoryBrand for a business? It has seven steps, I think. Right. There's, so there's seven key elements of the framework. And the first is that there's a character and we need to understand what that character wants. It's just like in any story. So think of Star Wars, which is one of our, you know, my favorite stories. You know, Luke 
was the hero in that first episode. And Obi-Wan Kenobi comes along as a guide to say, I know what you want. I know that you want to be a Jedi. But in order to do that, there's a problem. And that problem is you need to, to leave your home. And so by identifying the character and what they want, that then points us to they've got problems to overcome. And typically there's an external problem and that external problem, you know, like, let me bring it back to the watchful example. Uh, my external problem is I have less staff, but I need a way to manage and maintain websites without me spending more time. Because if I have to spend time on that, it's taking me away from things that are more profitable. So then Watchful comes along and says, we're able to help you do that by automating the process, which I love, by the way. So you've spoken with empathy and authority. That's the third part of the story brand framework about you've got quotes on your websites from clients. You talk about, you know, we understand your problem. That's why we introduced this solution. And then the fourth part of it is you give customers an easy plan. Like, how do I get started with your product or service? First, you sign up for this. Second, we give you an assessment. Third, you're on your way to success. And then the one key element that we find that a lot of people miss, and when we do website reviews, people don't put call to actions on their website. And, you know, again, you've got two strong call to actions up in your corner. Try for free and buy now. The sixth and seventh is you want to talk about what's at stake if someone doesn't buy from you or they don't use your product or service and what success they're going to experience. So those are the seven key elements of the framework. So we should be putting more on our website about the potential dangers of having a out-of-date site. You may find your website going down. So there's an actual story going on where there's a good outcome and a bad outcome and the person you're selling to is the hero that's able to navigate the treacherous waters and go to the, the good outcome rather than the bad outcome. Right. The one thing I know from a personal basis that's driven my desire for website security and a, a strong maintenance program to keep our Joomla sites up to date is that fear of coming in one day and getting an email from a client that says, my site's been hacked. And we've had that happen before. And thankfully, it wasn't our fault. It was from like previous developers had just been really sloppy, no proxy firewall in place or no other security protocol in place, out-of-date components, vulnerable components. And putting a layer of protection in between helps me sleep better at night and literally helps me sleep better at night. And I haven't worried since I've had Watchful in place. And then we also use Sakuri as a proxy firewall. Well, I appreciate all the shout outs um, for Watchful. <laughs> We're not paying you <laughs> yeah, for no any of this. <laughs> but I'm curious, this is a, a fairly robust framework that you, you're able to apply to different products. Does it only work or is it mainly suited for products with a, a slightly complex message where the product is not necessarily obvious out of the box? Could it also work with someone that has a very simple product, someone that is a, a plumber, someone that repairs garage doors, someone that has a, a product which on the face of it has no epic story to tell. Maybe even like a, a tax preparer, for example, you know. <laughs> what's, the, what's the exciting story to tell around your accountancy services? <laughs> right. Sure. No, it, it works for any type of business. That's the, uh, the beauty of it because it's based in story. 
And as humans, we've used story from uh, the start of the verbal language to be able to convey truths, to be able to convey facts and figures. So one example is we had a small cafe owner come to us and she, I had presented a, a workshop on creating a one-liner, which is a concise and compelling statement about your business and the problem or pain point you solve, the solution to that problem and the success the customer experiences. And when we were done, I could just see she was still just thinking and she just pulled out a card. She handed it to me and she just said, can you help me? She goes, I own a cafe and I don't know how to talk about it. And which really, you know, it's a cafe. What, what else is there to talk we about? We sell coffee, we sell muffins. Well, right. She sells coffee, she sells muffins, she sells desserts, she's a wine shop. And she also had a, she called it an event space. So she was getting all of that mixed up in her head and she wasn't quite sure how to talk about that. And as we worked through the framework, you know, we understood that her key customers are women who want to just spend some time, quality time with family and friends and really good friends just over a glass of wine without having to go to a really noisy bar you know, where they may be approached by men they don't want to talk to. They just want to get together and have what we call knee-to-knee time, you know, relational time. And so we just said, you know, let's talk about that you're a cafe where friends spend time, quality time with each other. And then introduced the other aspects of that as, in a sense, products and benefits, but farther along in the story. It was all about the customer and providing a a secure place where they could get together. So I really can't think about a simpler business than that, that we helped clarify. And now she loves it. She's able to, you know, just lead with, you know, we're a cafe where people can get together with friends and family and enjoy a glass of wine and a delicious dessert. Whereas if you go to a bar, there may be some expectations that there'll be obnoxious men floating around or there'll be sports on the TV or there'll be a super loud band playing in the background. Whereas they now have a very clear story for exactly who they want to attract people just to meet friends and have a nice evening. Exactly. And we do talk to that, you know, with that point. So you know, in a sense, uh, I think one of the phrases we used was don't go to a, a bar where it's going to be loud and you're going to have to shout to be heard. This way you can enjoy a quiet conversation with good friends at this cafe. So we've talked a lot about story in the course of this podcast. What's the Brian story in 2020? You've been doing this for 25 years now. Where's Aspire at the moment? Where are you with your work? What are you seeing in 2020? That's a great question that I think about a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So really where we're headed is we realize that many companies really struggle with closing the gap between who and what the brand wants to be and what the customer expects. And so we're really focused on simply and literally helping businesses grow by closing that gap uh, with a clear story that helps customers get engaged with the brand we give them the tools they need to focus on nurturing relationships. And because when they do that and when they stop wasting money on marketing, you know, their marketing costs go down and their sales go up and their customers become raving fans. So we're focusing on helping build relationship brands so that the companies that stand behind those brands can last for generations. Is this something that people are really investing in caring about at the moment? Obviously, we know the world is going a little crazy out there. Are you finding that people just have extra time 
to focus on the bigger picture of things like this? Are they just super hectic and trying to keep their businesses alive? Are you finding demand is going up or down in these crazy times? Well, for us, businesses remain steady. We have thrived throughout this this period. Um, we entered 2020 very strong, uh, and our forecast and what we've got committed to from clients is going to go well into 2021. So I'm really awesome. excited about that. We have found uh, that there's both, some people are really hesitant. They're waiting for consumer confidence to be restored. We have other companies that we're doing branding projects for because they're launching products that are going to propel their business for them to eventually sell in the future. So it's both. We know that companies want to make this investment in the clear messaging because they see the results they've already attained by it. And when they work with us, then on even on the business consulting side, uh, we helped one client just through the conversation when we were talking about what's next in the sales funnel. He mentioned something about member services and member subscriptions being a significant portion of their business. And I said, well, if that's significant now, how much can we grow it? And we're going to look at increasing that by 300% or more from 2,500 subscribers to 10,000. If that's, the, I don't know if that's the right math. Sorry, it's in my head. But seeing some significant growth, because we all know most companies grow and get more business from existing customers. Brian, I had an, uh, a question that kind of intersects with the times. I'm really glad to hear that the crisis has kind of not you know, taking you down too much and that you're hopeful for the future. We've had a number of our clients who have really great processes and really clear messages and branding tell us the same. So that bodes well, I think, for agency owners like yourself and, and your colleagues around the country and around the world. But the other thing that's happening right now, besides COVID, of course, is this huge, huge re-examination of privacy as it applies specifically to the internet and internet content. And so what I want to know, because you're obviously an expert in this area, if the website is your kind of starting place for most of your engagements, or you would prefer that, of course, that's because you get to get start tracking and, and getting information about these users. How do you think the, the new push for more privacy and less tracking is going to impact that space? And that's a great question. And it's, and it's one I started looking at mid to late 2019, this is really about transparency and transparency between the company and who owns the website and its customers and saying, you know, here's how we're going to use your data. Here's how we're going to protect you. So it goes back to customer, you're our hero. We have to gather some of this just for practical purposes for analytics, but at the same time, we want to be transparent. The companies that are going to do the best with this will clearly declare that transparency and also have the right type of privacy in terms of use policies in place. And if I may give a shout out to a company that we work very closely with is called Termageddon, and they offer auto-updating privacy policies. We license those and we make sure that every one of our clients has what we consider to be a legal privacy policy because for them, it's a risk management issue. Nobody wants to get a call. You are going to be the final episode of this first season of the Watchful Podcast and the Termageddon team were on the second episode. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and they're great. They work fantastic with agencies. Hans has been a, a great help to us. So again, and that's another way. So for that privacy question, you know, when I can be assured that 
my customers and my clients are protected, then I know that I've done my job on their behalf. Because I think as agency owners, we need to be advocates for the success of our clients. If we think about our businesses as only driving success for ourselves, we're not going to achieve the success we want because we're only concerned about ourselves. But when we're concerned about the success of our clients, that's just going to you know, come back and benefit us because they're going to be raving fans for who we are. Okay, so this is, I guess, probably to, to sum up the podcast in a nice way, this is the, the Brian and the Ace Buyer story that you are not the hero of this, of the agency or even of this podcast, that your customers are and that you're really here to help them along, to help them succeed. You've basically applied the story brand framework to yourself. Absolutely. I don't believe I could be authentic and have integrity unless I was doing the same thing. We were really work to do good for others. And for us, we believe you know, strong businesses lift the economy, but they also lift the communities in which they exist. And whether that's a local community or nationally, the United States is a very generous country. The people are very generous people. So the stronger the businesses are, the stronger the families are, the stronger the communities are. Yeah, my, my final word on privacy or my, my personal feeling is uh, for the brands that I interact with personally or, or maybe, maybe even vendors on a professional level, the ones that are the most transparent and who really have the message down, I want their newsletter. I don't mind that they track me. I want to see when they have a new product. I don't mind seeing their ad on Facebook because I probably want to buy that thing or I probably want to learn more about that thing because I'm, I'm invested in that. It's the anonymous random stuff that obviously everyone hates. And you know maybe we're actually going away from this whole... I mean, there's a whole industry around selling email lists. I mean, wouldn't it be great if that industry just... Apologies to folks out there selling <laughs> newsletters. I mean, if that industry went away, I mean, I think that'd be fantastic. I don't want to be sold on a list somewhere. Hey, sure. we get an email just about every day saying, would you like to buy a list of Joomla users or WordPress users or Adobe users? I do too. When you think about it, really, trust is our most valuable asset. And all of our communications, all of our marketing, everything we do around our brand, the words we use, all are intended and need to nurture and create trusting relationships. Because you know, trust needs to be earned. It can't be bought. Awesome, Brian. So... Thank you so much for sharing your marketing insights. Where can people follow you and Aspire? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up too. I appreciate it. So people can follow Aspire on Twitter at A-E-S-P-I-R-E. And myself, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on, well, not so much Facebook, but Twitter and LinkedIn. Again, at Brian Soy, B-R-I-A-N-S-O-O-Y. And our website is aspire.com. And that's aspire with an E in the middle, A-E-S-P-I-R-E.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Vic. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. All the best. Yep. Same to you.